Hi, and welcome to The Booby Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And if you want to hear more from the Booby Girls, we are on Patreon. All you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the Booby Girls. And a quick shout out to one of our new patrons, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. I still need to get her her sticker. I haven't got her her st- and our Latin Katya. Well, hop to it then. I know. <laughs> All right. And this week we are covering Fight Club. Which I didn't even know was a book. Let's yeah. just start with that. Neither did I. Wild. Um, but I have titled this one. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping for like a I'm Jax something. <laughs> or like. <laughs> no. That was really what I was hoping you well, would do. Well, because if the mo- based on the movie, though, it kind of gets lost in translation a lot. I guess. Yeah. The book mentions the it bo- quite a bit. Right. Um, I mean, I could be I am Jax want for Brad Pitt's abs. There you go. Is that better for you? <laughs> we won't use that, but there you okay. go. <laughs> so the book was originally published August 17th, 1996, and it's written by Chuck Pal- huh. Palanik. Pal- sure. sure. Um, it has a Goodreads rating of 4.18 out of 5, and it's 208 pages. The movie came out in 1999, so the movie's rated R, obviously. Obviously. And it's a drama, and it's two hours and 19 minutes long, which is wild because it's only... A 200 and some page book. I feel like we keep running into that where the shorter books take or have longer movies right. for whatever right. reason. It's insane. Directed by David Fincher, who we know from Gone Girl. Um, and he also has done Seven, uh, Zodiac, The Social Network, Mindhunter, House of Cards. He's phenomenal. This is probably one of his earlier things. I yeah. Think, right? Seven, I believe, is before this, okay. which was probably one of his major big first ones, mm-hmm. um, which also has Brad Pitt in it. Yeah. So, um, wonderful but yeah he's he's great and this is right in his wheelhouse in terms of genre so the imdb synopsis reads an insomniac office worker and a devil may care soap maker form an underground fight club that evolves into something much much more (laughs) yep that is extremely misleading (laughs) well i feel like it's a great synopsis for the most part sure Uh, so some fun facts about the book um Fight Club was initially a um, published as a seven-page short story, um, but he expanded, seven pages. Yeah, Jeez. but he expanded it to a novel, um, and then he basically made the short story portion um, uh, chapter six in the book. So what was chapter six? I could not tell you, but I'm sure it was Interesting. important. <laughs> um, he uh, so the author uh, had a altercation while camping once, and he returned back to work with like bruises and, and a swollen face. And his coworkers basically avoided asking him what happened. Um, and that the the fact that they did not ask him was kind of what prompted him to write Fight Club. That's because he wanted to like discuss like the inner workings of like men having these types of conversations and things like that. Huh. So very strange, but um, you know. Uh, uh, inspiration comes from the weirdest places, right? I guess I need to go get beat up somewhere, evidently. (laughs) I guess so. Um, And then also, which I didn't know this, um, there's a a Fight Club 2 and a Fight Club 3 that were both released in comic book uh, form. Uh, Fight Club 2 was released in May of 2015, and then Fight Club 3 was released in... uh, 
2019, so not too long ago, actually. Um, but I thought that was interesting. I, I mean, obviously, I haven't looked at it, but I'm sure yeah, it would be huh, interesting. I, I actually think that would be cool to see it in a comic book format. Yeah. Um, just because it's, like, so all over the place anyway, I feel like it lends itself to yeah. that, like, format. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So the movie has a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I actually thought it would have had higher. Mm-hmm. Because I've never met someone who doesn't like this movie. Um, I, I've met people who haven't seen it, which I was one of yeah. these people a while ago. Um, but no, I don't know that I've... I think there's just more people that don't understand it, maybe. True. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> the budget for the movie was $63 million and it grossed um, worldwide $101 million, But it actually only made $37 million in the United States, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. So, so it was a fan favorite across the world. Yeah, um, I think it was also originally released in Germany. And I feel like the Germans might have liked this movie. Germans are more of like the, I mean, I'm German, so I can say this. Like, <laughs> we're a little bit more feisty and like fighting, <laughs> you know? So maybe <laughs> right it, up their alley. Yeah, it was right up their alley. Um, this was actually made into a video game as well in 2004. So after the movie was released, I'm sure it's got to be kind of like a Mortal Kombat type style right. <laughs> video game. Um, I, I picture. Um, Grand Theft Auto step like style. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so during the making of the movie, uh, Edward Norton and Brad Pitt, obviously we'll talk about their characters in a little bit, uh, took soap making classes to, to make it look authentic. <laughs> but I thought the soap stuff got so like lost in translation yeah. for the movie that I was like, why? I mean, interesting that they felt the need to do that. But uh, yeah, there's really no reason. It's not like it. It's different. I think about it like um, from a Breaking Bad standpoint. Like yeah. that, it's so heavily uh, in that world yeah. of like they need to keep pretending like they're doing it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But like here, I don't know that we even saw them Those two making make, it. No. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. All right. So this next fact is kind of long. So stick with me here. Okay. I did not notice this, but after the copyright warning, there's another warning on the DVD. There's a warning from Tyler Durden and is only seen for like one second. And this is what it says. If you're reading this, then this warning is for you. Every word you read of this is useless or is useless fine print in another second of your life. Don't you have other things to do? Is your life so empty that you honestly can't think of a better way to spend these moments? Are you, or are you so, so impressed with authority that you give respect and credence to all who claim it? Do you read everything you're supposed to read? Do you think everything you're supposed to think, but what you, but what you're told you should want? Get out of your apartment, meet a member of the opposite sex, stop the excessive shopping and masturbation, quit your job, start a fight, prove you're alive. If you don't claim your humanity, you will become static. You have been warned. Tyler. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? I feel like uh, the nature of who I am should have seen that. Mm -hmm. But if it was like instant, I probably missed it. Well, do you notice (laughs) at the very beginning of the movie, there's like two flashes of yeah. Brad Pitt as Tyler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm wondering, it's probably like that, but Interesting. a lot less noticeable. <laughs> uh, so the narrator, who obviously is Edward Norton in mm-hmm. this, which is going to be wildly hard to navigate as we're talking about this. <laughs> I, I, I want to say in my notes, I literally, <laughs> I put like Tyler and then I put Tyler in quotation. Well, and and I was, I'm probably going to call him Edward, like Edward Norton. <laughs> like, I don't fun. know what else to do. Like, <laughs> otherwise it's going to be a mess. Um, but <laughs> so... In the scene where Edward Norton hits Brad Pitt outside of the the bar, out, the bar yeah. um, that actually was supposed to be a fake hit. That wasn't supposed to happen at all. Uh, but I guess right before they filmed that, 
David Fincher, the director, pulled Edward aside and was like, actually hit him in the air, like actually do oh my it. Gosh. And he said after he hit him, um, you can that the other two were like laughing and smiling because they were because Brad Pitt was so like was shocked. It? That's <laughs> about hilarious. It. But it, it was a great scene. So did then Brad hitting Edward was that real right afterwards when he punches him in the gut? I doubt it. Uh, I would have retaliated. I'm like, excuse me. Um, you'll think this next uh, fact is fascinating because you love Titanic. Mm-hmm. So the cave scene um, in this film where Edward Norton meets the penguin. Yes. Uh, the breath that it, that can be seen while he's in the in the cave is actually um, recycled breath used from Leonardo DiCaprio in the Titanic. <laughs> What? I don't know. I guess like they had the, like they had extra clippings yeah. of the cold breath and they just like oh, that's put it in there. I wonder if that's when he's, you know, floating in the water when um, uh, Rose didn't let him onto the, sure. the door. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, and lastly, there I guess there was an inf- infamous uh, incident that happened right before the movie came out. So you remember Rosie O'Donnell, right? Yes. Remember how she had her, her talk show? Yes. Like she used to throw those like little koosh balls out all the time, oh, yeah. right? I used to watch her show all the time. I guess she went and saw the movie like a week before it filmed or it premiered mm-hmm. in like an early screening. And she hated the movie so much and she was unable to sleep after it for a few days that she proceeded to give away the plot twist and the ending to the film and urged all of her viewers to avoid it at all costs. That's it's like a big no-no. Right. I'm sure she got sued. Like in this day and age, there's no way. Right. There's no way. <laughs> so anyways, oh, fascinating. Rosie. I know. I know. Uh, so the cast of the movie, uh, there's, I think, like five main characters or so. So the narrator that we were talking about um, is played by Edward Norton. He is the narrator of the film, but he's very much the main character just without a name. Yeah. We got like halfway through the film and Boyfriend Ray was like, do we know what his name is? And I I'm sure like, don't. No, you don't. And you don't find out either. <laughs> uh, but Edward Norton uh, has played in a ton of things, including one of my favorite movies of all time, um, American History X. I've never seen that. It is phenomenal. Is that where he has a, a, a shaved head? Yeah, because okay. it's about neo-Nazis. Oh, okay. But that's where I learned what a curb stomp was. Do no, you know what? No. It's a great movie. I think you'd actually really like it. Okay. Um, but he actually got an Oscar nomination for that uh, for that movie. He was also in Primal Fear, where he got another Oscar nomination for a supporting role. He's in Keeping the Faith, The Italian Job. And he also played The Incredible Hulk, Bruce Banner, in The Incredible Hulk. And that one came out, I think, in 2007, I want to say. In 2013, he actually turned down the Hulk role in a different Hulk movie in the one that Eric Bana played. So huh. <laughs> evidently he was supposed to be Incredible Hulk in uh-huh. that first movie. That one bombed because Eric Bana's awful. Right. And then this one didn't do much better. So. Yeah. Well, I t- it's interesting that he would have even agreed to a role like that because I just don't see him as that type of like um, series style or like superhero mm-hmm. style no, character. He just like doesn't doesn't bode well not for him. Um, I absolutely love him in Italian Job. Mm-hmm. That movie, I, I don't know if you've seen it, is mm-hmm. ideal. Um, my brother's love for um, Mini Coopers oh, <laughs> was, born, yeah, was <laughs> right? born through that movie. Um, but he, I thought he did an incredible job in this movie. And yeah. In my eyes, I, I don't think he can do any wrong. No, he's great. His father, actually, um, Edward Norton Sr., was the attorney for President Jimmy Carter. Interesting. Fun fact for you. Um, and he actually had to lose 17 to 20 pounds for this role because uh, he had just gotten done filming American History X where he had like had to bulk up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he achieved this by running and taking vitamins and ignoring the onset catering. 
How? How did he do that? I don't know. Teach me your ways, Edward. I don't know. And then lastly, he was actually one of the only few celebrities that was invited to Brad Pitt and and, uh, Jennifer Aniston's Malibu wedding. Oh. So, because I guess they've actually stayed. They're on that level. Yeah, they stayed really good friends after this movie, so. Well, did he go to Brangelina's wedding? (laughs) Probably not. Who knows? Maybe. He probably officiated it. Okay, so speaking of Brad Pitt, um, he plays Tyler Durden in this film, who is... The other part of the narrator. He's the soap maker. Yeah, he's the soap maker. <laughs> um, what I thought was interesting, he was 36 years old when he filmed this. What? He looked like he was in his just like 20-year-old prime. Wow. Brad Pitt is 58 years old. Wow. Fascinating, I mean, right? nowadays he's kind of looking more like I it. don't know. I'll take Brad Pitt at any age. So fun fact, um, I didn't used to like Brad Pitt. He was one of those that I was like, ugh, like the, you know, typical, like, everybody loves him. So, like, I have to love him, too. No, it was not my thing. Um, So the girl who loves Leonardo DiCaprio. mm, Different. That was like a, (laughs) maybe if I was young or if I was older and Mm. I grew up with Brad Pitt and, like, because for me, Leo was like that. I know Mm. he's a little bit older than me, but anyway. Um, But as I saw more of Brad Pitt's roles in in movies, I actually, like, saw um, what an actual serious actor Mm. he is. And I was like, okay, well. Maybe there's some merit to like people liking him because I was always thinking like, oh, everyone loves him just because he's hot. Yeah, which he is. Yeah. Do I think he's the most hot? No, but I mean, he's um, pretty much the most hot in this movie. Well, yeah, <laughs> like that's fair. <laughs> I mean, he's poor Edward. <laughs> I know, uh, but you know, he has two Oscars: uh, one for best supporting role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is. I is one of my favorite movies. I love Great that movie. movie. Um, he also won an Oscar for Beck's picture for 12 years a slave. Um, he's been in Moneyball, which we will get to because that is based off, off a book. We did him in um, interview with a vampire and he's going to be in, or he's in world war Z, which we will be covering at some point, And the list goes on. He's actually also in Deadpool too, but you don't see him because he plays an invisible character, but you hear his voice. Yeah. Oh, that's funny <laughs> for like, one scene. Oh. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, but he's also a major producer. He's um, he's credited on 60 different uh, films and projects That's as cool. the producer, including Lego Masters, which is the Lego building oh, competition yeah. show that came out last year or two years ago. I wonder if they promoted it that way. I feel like more people would have watched it if they would have been like, produced by yeah. brad pitt <laughs> i don't know um but he actually w- he wasn't overly interested in doing fight club until david fincher actually came to his doorstep um during the during the making of meet joe black and was like let's go for a beer i want to tell you about this movie and he pitched this movie to him again and that's when he he agreed to read the screenplay and could you imagine if role. someone else had played Tyler Durden? No. What that would have been like? Right. Yeah. No way. <laughs> um, and then lastly, he really did not want his his parents to n- watch this movie for <laughs> obvious reasons. Um, so he actually showed them uh, the scene of the chemical burn. Mm-hmm. And his parents were like, no, we don't need to see this movie. That's a pretty good scene to, you know, make you not want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't see anybody else playing this no. role. No. In my eyes, this is a pretty iconic role for Brad Pitt. Right. There's so many iconic, like, just images of him. Mm -hmm. And I think you know which one I'm talking about. Like they Where should have a, shirtless. They should literally have a character listing for Brad Pitt's abs <laughs> on IMDb. Yeah, what was his um, eating regimen? He evidently ignored the on-site catering as well. <laughs> Clearly, she was. All right, so Marla Singer, who is the strung out, 
just train wreck mm. of the female love interest in this movie um, is played by none other than Helena Bonham Carter. Fan know, favorite here. Fan favorite. We know her from obviously all the Harry Potters, Alice in Wonderland. Um, she got an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Role in the King's Speech. And again, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually told during the filming of this movie, um, she insisted that the makeup artist use her left hand. Um, while while she did it, mm-hmm. because she she said that Marla would not have that's great actually makeup. genius. Yeah, <laughs> because she's a train wreck. Totally, and I really liked her in this. Oh I my thought gosh, she was fabulous. She was great in this. Um, that hair is just iconic. Um, yeah, I I I want to say I didn't really know her too well when mm-hmm. I saw this movie, but um, obviously having seen the Harry Potter movies, like. She's iconic to me in that sense, but she's so good at that, like weird, strange. I would say this is probably one of her roles before she went more Tim Burton and played the more character characters. You know what I mean? So, but I love her either way. So, Robert Bob Paulson, (laughs) who is uh, his name was Robert Paulson. His, His name, name was, was Robert, Robert Paulson. Paulson. <laughs> uh, he is a friend that the narrator meets at one of the support groups who then, you know, joins Fight Club. He is struggling from um, testicular cancer mm-hmm. um, due from all the steroids he took. And mm-hmm. he has very large breasts. <laughs> but played by the infamous Meatloaf. <laughs> Born Marvin Lee a day is his real name. Obviously, he's a famous singer. He sang the... Um, you know, the hit songs, Bad Out of Hell and I'll Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. Um, he played in a bunch of Broadway musicals, including uh, Hair, Rockabye Hamlet, and The Rocky Horror Show. And he actually appeared in the Glee episode um, where they did the Rocky Horror Picture Show as well. Hmm, interesting. So uh, you can actually see that in, in the film, um, Bob actually wears a fight or wears a shirt during the fights. And despite one of the eight rules of Fight Club is that you cannot wear a shirt, but they had to have him in a shirt because you know he's in a fat suit, mm, so he couldn't be seen right. not wearing a shirt. Oh, that's so, funny. Um, that's I didn't the even reason catch why that. I didn't either. <laughs> but that's why. I mean, I think he's great. Yeah, I had no idea that this was meatloaf. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the only reason I know is because it was on the freaking screen when you when it pops up. Uh, and then lastly, Angel Face, who is a member of Fight Club, who. Uh, is one of the space monkeys towards the mm-hmm. end. He becomes like part of this army that they build is played by Jared Leto. And you would have no idea that it was Jared Leto no. unless you knew it. And the only reason I knew is because it popped up on the screen before the movie started no. um, because he has platinum blonde hair. He's a lot younger, obviously. Yeah. Um, he has a few talking roles in this, uh, but obviously we know him from Dallas Buyers Club, Suicide Squad. Um, he was in the recent film, uh, The Little the Little Things with Denzel Washington mm-hmm. and um, the guy who played in the Queen movie. The Queen movie? Yeah. You know the Queen movie that just came out? I can't forget. It's he is the weird name i can't think of his name but anyways um and then he actually just reappeared as the joker um in Zack snyder's cut of the justice league he wasn't originally Mm. in that one and they brought him back for this and i was actually looking on his imdb for his upcoming stuff and he's gonna be um he's gonna be in the new movie called house of gucci as paolo gucci so that'll be interesting and then they also have under there that there's two announced joker projects that he's going to be working on one that's going to be just about the joker and the other one um will be a joker harley quinn movie but we have all heard that he's done playing joker so i thought that was really interesting but 
I love it. Maybe they put it out there as wishful thinking. <laughs> I don't know. I love Jared Leto. Um, I do too. So this is so strange. The movie that made me fall in love with him is a movie called Alexander. I don't uh-huh. know if you've ever seen it. No. It's like about like that time, you know, whatever. Um, I think Angelina Jolie's actually in it. I think it, she plays his mom. But he has this like beautiful, like luscious long hair. <laughs> and like, he, I mean, his eyes are gorgeous. Um, and <laughs> for whatever reason, that movie is what made yeah. me love him. But um, talk about an actor who literally can play any role you Literally play anything. And, it, and like play it perfectly. <laughs> well, it, he's... He, I think he is one of the most underrated totally. actors. And I know he does get a lot of credit. Everyone yeah. knows who Jared Leto is. Yeah. But if you look at all of the characters he plays, yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, and I don't Have you seen Dallas Buyers Club? Mm-hmm. He's Unfortunately, because I hate Matthew McConaughey, but uh-huh. that's a different story for he another time. He is so good in that. Um, and not to mention, he's a freaking uh, singer to yeah. boot. So, right. yeah. So I wish we, we were got, fans yeah, of Jared Leto. I wish, I wish we would have gotten more of him, in there, I but know. I had to mention him. <laughs> But that's it for the cast, really. Yeah. All right. Time for Who Said It. Okay. So we're going to do things a little different because there's not really much dialogue from other people that's really relevant. Um, this so book is hard to follow. Like, is. let's talk about that for a second okay. because the train of thought, because I, 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 like, I got halfway through the book and I had I told you, I was like, I'm having trouble with this one. Like, <laughs> the train of thought goes in and out yeah. and you're like, well, yeah, that's how the movie is too. And I was like, no, wait till you read the book. And like two days later, you're like, yeah, so I'm struggling too. <laughs> well, I think it, it almost heightens it in the book way more so than in yeah, the movie. Yeah, for um, sure. But anyway, so what we're going to do with Who Said It is I'm going to give you a quote and you have to tell me if Tyler said it or the narrator said okay. it. So essentially, we know that they're the same person, but which one of them said <laughs> okay. it. So I am the all singing, all dancing crap of this world. Ooh. That would be the narrator. Mm, Really? Tyler. (laughs) If I could wake up in a different place at a different time, could I wake up as a different person? That was the narrator. Correct. (laughs) I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Oh, gosh. That was Tyler. (laughs) What will you wish you'd done before you died? Tyler. Yes. Good job. You did pretty well. I now have my quote for our Instagram post for this episode. Hit me as hard as you can. <laughs> All right. For F, Mary kill, your options are... I will marry um, and everything with Tyler Durden. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, sorry, go ahead. Um, so your options are Tyler, okay. uh, the narrator, and Marla. Oh, man. Okay. I'm killing Marla. Absolutely. <laughs> I actually... Wait. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going... Actually, I'm going to marry Tyler Durden. Because he's an entrepreneur. He made a soap company. Okay. You know? And he's hot. Uh, I will uh, get into a fight with Marla. Okay. Okay. And I will kill uh, the narrator because he's meh. Okay. Um, I think I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Uh, the reason I'd have to kill the narrator, though, is that he's an insomniac and I just, like, I need my sleep. So, like, <laughs> no true. way, shape, or form Very would true. that work. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like I said, I think I'm just going to say Edward Norton for the narrator. Or do you want me to say the just narrator? Just say the narrator. Because I think that's what most sites and things refer to him as. Okay. So, just know when I say the narrator, I'm talking about Edward Norton's yes. character. Because if you've just seen the movie, you don't know that he's categorized as the True. narrator. So we'll go with that. Uh, so the movie opens up almost exactly like the book. I will say we get a lot of direct dialogue from this mm-hmm. book. 
But the movie opens up with Tyler having a gun in the narrator's mouth. And this is exactly how the, how the book opens up as well. And we find out that they're going to be blowing up a building. It's obviously more descriptive in the book. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of like, when it first started, the book starts, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? Um, but we do get, you know, obviously the inner dialogue of the narrator. And he says that this has something to do with Marla Singer. And so then it basically, it, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, six months before, yeah. you know, before the we ending get to is the beginning. Exactly. I actually like when um, movies do this because it's almost like you're getting a preview of like what's to come, but you don't really know. Like, I what don't context. mind it when movies do it. I hate it when shows do it. Cause I'm like, it's an hour. Can we just get going? Oh, oh, really? Like, like in an TV episode? TV shows, yeah. Who does that? Literally everybody has oh, done that. Okay. At least once. I've never noticed. <laughs> that in a musical episode. <laughs> God. <laughs> Was I having that conversation with you? I don't know. About how every TV show feels that they need to have a I don't sing-along know. musical episode. I don't know, but Grey's Anatomy should never do it ever again. Ever. Oh, it's always horrible. Ever. It's yeah. always horrible. Anyways. Total tangent. Okay. Unless it's a musical show. Yes. <laughs> so now we flash back and we find out that the narr- narrator has been going to these support groups that he doesn't need that he doesn't need support for. <laughs> so we, this is where we get to meet Bob for the first time at the testicular cancer support group. And they call him Moosey. And I thought it was cute because that's what I call your dog all yep. the time. Um, but we find out that the narrator hasn't been able to sleep for six weeks. And I'm like, a long time. six weeks. Like, that's <laughs> wild. Um, and we we see him at work and his job is really boring. And this is where we get that first flash of Tyler out of just nowhere. And if you don't know what's coming, you're like, Whoa. what was that? <laughs> and then we see his apartment and we see him ordering everything in the Ikea catalog. <laughs> Same. And I love it. <laughs> I just, we went to, we did a date night at Ikea not too long ago. I bet you um, he wasn't dealing with uh, out of stock items. Due to a pandemic. Probably not. (laughs) Uh, But then we also find out that he believes that he has narcolepsy because he keeps waking up in weird places. Uh, So he'll just randomly fall asleep. And then he has no idea what happened while he was asleep. And that's, again, where we get another flash of Tyler. That's got to be scary. Oh, I'm sure. Like, that's what a lot of, like, sleepwalkers have to deal with. Like, you wake up in a different, t- like, There's this girl are. on TikTok who is a sleepwalker. I've seen and her. And she films it. And she, part of me is like, is this real? But I think hilarious. it is. It's so funny. <laughs> she does things to, because she's like, I think she said chocolate and cheese make her sleepwalk even uh-huh. more. So that's what she eats almost every night. That's hilarious. I mean, it's TikTok gold. My favorite, I think, is the one where she's, like, in the living room and her husband's just sitting at the table, like, staring at her while she's doing it would freak me out. It would freak me out if Ray randomly started sleepwalking. I hate when he talks in his sleep, yeah. let alone like does things. Anyway, tangent. Anyways, again, tangent. We are not, we're not getting very far here. Uh, so we're at the support group again. And uh, this is actually one of the nights where we fully meet Bob. And we find out that the narrator and Bob like are kind of partners in mm-hmm. this support group. And Bob just like embraces the narrator and they start crying. Cause that's one of the, one of the things that helps everyone in the support group is just getting out their emotions yeah, through crying. to let it go. Yeah. And so he, the narrator balls his eyes out and then he's able to sleep like a baby. So he's like, all right, this is working. So he actually becomes, you know, addicted to these support groups, you know. And uh, this is this is kind of the weird scene where they're meditating. <laughs> they yeah. go into this, like, guided meditation and they try to find their their power animals. And he's, this is where he's in that cave and he finds out that his power animal is a penguin. <laughs> a talking penguin. <laughs> a talking penguin. It was very, like, 
elf. Like, you know, when he goes out to find his dad and he sees the narwhal? Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, So, but at this point, though, this is where Marla walks in. And Marla is also at the testicular uh, group because she needs support, too, evidently. (laughs) Come to find out, she's actually at all of the support groups that the narrator has been going to. But now that he's noticed her... He knows that she's faking and he's mad that she's there in his support groups. Because he's the one faking. Right. You can't have two fakers in the right. same group. And he comes to find out that he can't actually cry while she's there. So if he's not crying, he's he's not sleeping. Right. So she's a problem. So then we meet Chloe at the support groups. She's someone who's dying of cancer. And she goes up, she talks, and uh, she goes up and starts saying how, you know, she's not afraid of dying, but she's afraid that no one's going to sleep with her before she dies. (laughs) And doesn't, in the book, doesn't he sleep with her? I think so. And also, she doesn't, like, go out into, like, the audience and, like, say, say, says this. Yeah. Like, she tells him individually, like, hey, by the way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in the movie, he does not sleep with She's her. She's, like, I'm, like, shocked. I was, like, that's really embarrassing to, like, have to say that to the entire group. But I guess that's Look, the point of support groups, right? Well, and if you're dying, you have really nothing to lose, that's I guess. That's a good point. So. Uh, but then the narrator does confront Marla, and he says that he's going to expose her. And she's, like, all right, well, if you expose me, I'm going to expose you. So <laughs> what are we doing here? And they actually decide to split up the nights and i believe in the book like she kind of puts up a fight she's like no i'm gonna keep going yeah like but in the movie she's like all right I'll. they eventually get to an agreement in the yeah. book um but come to find out that marla's just kind of a dirtbag like all around like she steals clothes from the laundry and goes and sells them <laughs> so which i mean you gotta do what you gotta, gotta do. do what you gotta do um but at this point they end up exchanging numbers because he's like all right let's exchange numbers just in case you know, we need to switch nights, switch or, nights or whatever. And again, she's like, sure, like, whatever, bro, <laughs> like, whatever is going to get you through the night. So now the narrator is at work. And I really I did like this part in the book where he's talking about his job and how he wakes up in different cities because mm-hmm. he's he travels a lot for yeah. work and he's he wakes up at SeaTac. And I think they even talk about Phoenix International. Yeah. And I really liked how they did that in the book. Um, we get it very briefly in the movie. But we kind of find out that he's a recall coordinator, which is absolutely terrifying. But also fascinating. Fascinating. Do you want to explain <laughs> kind of what that means? Basically, his job is to essentially check out these vehicles for recall purposes. And like what we come to find out is certain things are brushed under the rug while yeah. other things are. Um, so if it's something that's like an easy fix, they'll like do it. But if it involves more, they're just kind of like... Well, they lied until something happened. <laughs> well, basically what he was saying is that because he goes and looks at these cars that have crashed and killed people. Yeah. Is 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 it going to cost them more money to recall this or more money in lawsuits when people sue them from people dying? And I'm like, this is 1000 percent real thing. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah terrifying <laughs> so like if you're a recall person um let us know we'd love to learn more <laughs> yeah let me know what's wrong with my car please uh so but now the narrator's on the plane uh from one of his business trips and this is where tyler shows up for the very first time he's sitting on um on the plane next to him but this is not where he meets him in the book he meets him in a very different place in yeah the book. he meets him on a beach right a topless beach yeah <laughs> randomly and i don't really know i think he's like building some sort of like wooden something and he like <laughs> yeah. interacts with him and yeah 
I don't. I actually liked the way that they introduced him in the movie. Yeah. Um, it made a lot more sense. Yeah. I couldn't understand. <laughs> but, even in the book, I was like, okay, like, I guess that could happen. I don't know. I'm like, but also, like, why are you frequenting nude beaches? It was <laughs> very strange. I loved it. I, I thought it was very great how they did it uh, in the in the movie. Yeah. Um, but we do see that they do have the same briefcases. Um, and Tyler tells him he's a soap maker. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, while he's telling him he's a soap maker, he tells him that he knows how to make bombs. Yeah. Because he's like, it's basically the same ingredients. Super easy, apparently. <laughs> right. Uh, but then he, they're back at the airport and the narrator is, his uh, luggage didn't come through because his luggage was vibrating. Because evidently, they say bombs don't tick, they vibrate. Mm. Uh, and so the bomb squad actually gets called in to check on, to check out his luggage. And we actually see at this point, Tyler like speeding away in a, in a car, which I don't remember happening in the book. No, I don't even think we kind of see what happens. Well, cause yeah. it doesn't happen in this way. So yeah. I guess, no, <laughs> yeah, not sure. Uh, but so the narrator comes home after, you know, this delay with the luggage to find out that his condo has blown up mm-hmm. just his condo. Yeah. Not- his 15th floor condo has just magically just like, Poof. Right. Um, but <laughs> Everyone I, else is fine, though. <laughs> but what I thought was funny, he was like, how embarrassing. An apartment full of just condiments and no food? And who did I think of? <laughs> I was like, Roche? <laughs> That's not true. I have food. I have chips. I have candy. I have... Condiments. Yeah, condiments. <laughs> <laughs> Even my selection of condiments isn't as, as uh, good as the narrator's. Uh, but so now he doesn't know where to go. So he goes to the payphone. He dials Marla's number, but then hangs up and decides to call Tyler because Tyler gave him his phone number while he was on the plane. Uh, there's no answer, but then he calls him back at the payphone. And they end up meeting at a bar down the street. And... Tyler basically just tells him, like, stop being so perfect. Like, Hmm. stop trying to be perfect. Like, basically what he said in the disclaimer (laughs) in this movie. Um, But he ends up asking Tyler to stay. It's actually this really funny, like, interaction between the two where he's like, are you going to ask me? Like, are you going to ask me to stay? He's like, can I stay? (laughs) Uh, But so this is where they're at the back. They're at the back of the bar. And this is where Tyler says, I want you to hit me as hard as you can. But before he hits him, we actually find out that Tyler is a projectionist, Mm -hmm. which I actually loved the description we got in the book about it. Because I thought it was fascinating how they used to have to have to work the projections it was way over my head to i don't be know i thought it was just i mean me like just i like the movie quick nerd. description and then the movie i was like okay so he like moves or he switches out the things got it yeah come <laughs> to find out that he actually um snips little porn clips into <laughs> into the movies so when people are watching little kitty films like random porn pops up like subliminal messaging <laughs> uh, but we also find out that tyler's also a waiter at a very nice hotel. Um, but this is gross. I'm glad we didn't get more of this yeah. in the movie. Find out that he is a quote unquote gorilla terrorist. And he like messes with the food. He like pees in the soup. Everyone's worst nightmare. Right. Um, in the book, I actually believe that at this point when, when they're describing it, they're working together. Yes. Like Tyler has gotten the narrator a job yeah. doing the same gross things. Yeah. Which makes it uh, honestly a little bit more believable in the book. Cause you're like, Oh, okay. So like, they're friends and yeah. like it you don't feel as i don't know how to, it's like so hard to kind of explain the the feel of a, the book when you've already seen the movie yeah i feel like if you had already if you've read the book first you're like mm-hmm. what's happening but more also like okay these are two dudes that like met each other and they live together yeah whereas the movie you're just like oh okay um 
I don't know. Yeah. I have a weird <laughs> sense because I already know what's happening. Yeah. Uh, but so this is where the narrator ends up hitting Tyler and he hits him in the ear. And this is the scene I was describing mm-hmm. earlier, how he wasn't actually supposed to hit him. Um, but Tyler does hit him back and they end up fighting behind the bar. So now we get the first sight of the paper street house. It's this gross, torn down, run down, disgusting house on paper street. And like nothing works. Like, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. It's it looks really like gross. basically like a like a half house or like a it's a crack house. Yeah, a crack house. Yeah. Um, but then we see, you know, they're living there, he's getting settled, and then we see them fighting again outside of a bar. And there's other guys that walk up and, you know, more people are starting to watch what they're doing. So, but now the narrator is he shows up to work with a black eye. And I, I wish we would have gotten more of, of him at work. Mm-hmm. Like, we get little snippets of it. But in the book, it's kind of a big part yeah. um, of him at work. Which is interesting, considering, you know, now we know, like, the premise of why the author wrote the book. With, yeah. like, his experience with mm-hmm. his coworkers. You'd think it would have been more, like, prevalent. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, now they're back behind the bar again. Uh, and they're fighting. And it's, like, different guys are fighting now. And then at one point, we see a guy in a business suit walk up and he wants to fight. So we can see that this is starting to snowball and we're more and more guys are starting to want to fight in this group. And the narrator talks about how like fighting just makes everything in life just easier. Like you get out your aggression, right? You know, everything doesn't seem as bad and it's just another form basically of like a support group or medication. Like that's just kind of how it works for them. So uh, but they, did, I like, this is the part that got added to the, to the, um, movie. Uh, but they talk about if you could fight anyone, um, who would you fight? And he says his boss <laughs> and Tyler said that he would fight his dad. Um, so my question is to you, if you could fight anybody, who would you fight? Oh my gosh. How much time do we have? <laughs> you got about 10 seconds. There's a few. I don't want to name them, but like celebrity wise, I would probably fight, Actually, I would fight Noah Cyrus because she has a very punchable face. <laughs> Great. That's who I would fight. Great. Who would you fight? Um, Like on a personal level, I would fight my brother because I know I could win. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. Like I actually like, want to see this now. I'd like to see if you'd actually win. <laughs> Just to prove that I could beat him up. Yeah. I want to beat him up. Yeah. What celebrity would you would you fight? Well, we'll get there later because they, they talk about that later. There's oh, like my bad. celebrity one and then there's a, a historical one. Sorry. I totally just went <laughs> right for it. It's fine. Um, but we come to find out that this fight, you know, they've been fighting every single Saturday night. So that's kind of become their new group every Saturday. And they it's end their up, favorite pastime. Right. And they end up taking over the basement of the bar that they were at. I don't know if it was that specific, specific yeah, bar, but it's an actual bar. But this is where we hear the very first uh, list of Fight Club rules. Do you want to go over them? Do you know them? I only know the first two. <laughs> okay. First two, obviously, are don't fight, talk about Fight Club. Right. Two is don't talk about Fight Club. Three is uh, if someone yells stop or they go limp, the fight is over. There's only two guys to a fight is rule number four. Number five is one fight at a time. Number six is no shirt and no No shoes, shoes, except for Bob, evidently. (laughs) Number seven is the fight will go on as long as it needs to. And rule number eight is if this is your first time at Fight Club, you have to fight. Seems like pretty decent rules. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I want to get punched in the face, though. Well, no. Uh, who said I was even going to this thing? I don't know. 
<laughs> um, but we're starting to see like all the guys around town um, are showing up and have like bruises all over their faces. Yeah. Like they'll go to like the coffee shop and a guy will have a bruise on his face. What I want to know is what their like wives and girlfriends are like thinking when they come home. Yeah, if boyfriend <laughs> Ray comes home with a with a with a black eye, I'm and and he's like would run away from a fight. Like he's just not a fighter. Um, I think unless he absolutely had to, I'd be like, what did you do? Yeah. I'm sure there's a perfectly good ex- explanation. Right. What wall did you walk into? <laughs> um, but this is where they talk about, they're like, if you could fight any celebrity, who would you fight? Um, so now that what's, who's your celebrity? I know you just said Noah Cyrus, but now you have to have another one. Oh gosh. Um, how about you say yours and I'll think about it. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, that 1,000%. That was too easy. Um, I don't think I'd win, but I would love to punch him in the face. Ooh. Um, what's her face? Ooh. Emma Roberts. Really? Yeah. But I then can't her aunt would be mad at you. Okay, but like, no. No. <laughs> okay. Um, the fact that she is even her aunt is like such, I so know, sad. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay. So here is the holy grail of... Movie scenes. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt, Tyler fights. <laughs> but before he fights, we get this just like, I don't know, just this like stop scene of Brad Pitt and his abs. It's just. How many more times are we going to talk about Brad Pitt's abs? As many times as I <laughs> possibly can. Just let me have this moment. All right. Please. <laughs> uh, but now they bring up the fact like, if you could fight any historical figure, who would you fight? Hitler. Oh, that was my answer. Yeah. Yeah, probably Hitler or, like, the entire Confederate army. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> one by one. Sounds a little one-sided. But. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> um, but now Marla calls the house because she hasn't seen the narrator at the support group. So she's, quote, unquote, a little worried about him. He's been busy. <laughs> yeah, he's been busy. And he hasn't needed the support groups anymore. Um, but she actually tells him on the phone that she's taken a bottle of Xanax. And she's going to basically overdose. And he just, like, hangs up the phone. (laughs) But he, like, leaves it off the hook because he knows that this is Marla and this is what she does. Yeah, she just wants to talk out her problems. Yeah, and the narrator hates Marla. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a very important fact that he does not like her at all and does not care if she dies. Right. So, but he ends up having this dream that he had sex with Marla. And he's, like, totally grossed out. And he's like, why did I dream about this? They do say your dreams are your subconscious. I had a really weird dream last night. Do you want to hear about it? I mean, if it's appropriate. It's fine. I was, I bought a house uh-huh. and it was just me and Abby, my dog. And we walked down to the basement and all of a sudden, like a tennis ball got thrown across the, the, the basement. And I got really scared. So I ran out of the house with Abby and then I met the neighbor and the neighbor's like, oh no, there's an actual dog down there. Like, there's a dog that lives there. So I went back down and there was another dog living You got there. a bonus dog in your dream? <laughs> bonus dog when I bought a also, house. Also, like, I would have immediately been like, oh my God, The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> also, where was boyfriend Ray? <laughs> I don't know. Evidently, Abby and I are just the only ones who are going to buy a house mm, eventually. Interesting. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Marla ends up walking down the stairs uh, that next day and Tyler's door is closed. And the narrator says, you know, Tyler's door's never closed. But Marla comes down and he's like, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Like the last interaction the narrator had with him was when he hung up the phone on her when she was dying, you know, and come to find out that Tyler actually ended up and picking up the phone and he went, he went to her place at the hotel to save her life. 
And he walks in there, and then the cops show up. I love this scene. Mm-hmm. I love it in the book and the movie, where he pulls her out of the apartment, and then the cops come and are trying to knock on the door, and he's like, she's like, just let her die. She's a piece of crap. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> We're back at the house now, and Tyler tells the narrator that he does not want the narrator t- to talk to Marla about him or anything that happens in the house. Like, just do not tell her anything. And then we come to find out that like Tyler and Marla are just like hooking up all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like pretty graphic. Like yeah. I saw somewhere that they had to like do like three days of like just sex sounds for oh, these scenes. Interesting. Yes. Was that, was that, was it that much in the book? I feel like it wasn't as like in like that many times. <laughs> or maybe I just like. Consistent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's Brad Pitt. So why wouldn't you? But sure. anyways, uh, but now the narrator's back at work and he's like smoking at work now when he wasn't a smoker. <laughs> he has blood on his shirt and his boss like tells him to leave. Yeah. He's like, get out of here. He gives zero Fs. No, he does not care anymore. Uh, but the uh, the cop ends up calling the narrator who's on who's like the lead investigator on the bombing of his condo. Come to find out that they had called the arson unit because, you know, someone tampered with the door. Um, to make it so he like couldn't get in or out and that there was dynamite in there. And it was very much someone set a homemade bomb mm-hmm. in his apartment. So they're like, this wasn't random. This wasn't an accident. Like someone really wanted to blow up your building. Yeah. Doesn't he say like, am I a suspect or something? Yeah. And he's like, no, <laughs> like, like, why we're just we, telling yeah. you. <laughs> um, but he, we come, he comes back to the house and this is the first time they'd start talking about how Tyler and Marla are never in the same room. Like if Tyler's there, Marla's not. When Marla's in there, Tyler like disappears. Mm. You know, your initial thought is like, Tyler's just trying to avoid her. Is your initial <laughs> like thought? Like every dude. <laughs> right. You know, uh, but you know, Tyler's basically tells her or tells the narrator that he needs to get rid of her. Like, get rid, get rid of her, get her out of the house. So then you just start thinking like he's a dirtbag. Right, exactly. He just doesn't want to have to deal with his own problems. Right. So now we see the soap making begin. <laughs> <laughs> and this is so gross. So evidently you need fat to make soap, which I guess I should have known. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, but evidently you have to render fat. And so the two of them go to a liposuction clinic and steal the fat mm-hmm. out of it, out of like the dumpsters. And it is disgusting. Right. And then one of the bags rips. It's so gross. <laughs> it was like oozing out it's of the bag. It's <laughs> so gross. Uh, and then we get this whole like scene of like what, how you make soap and how you can make explosives. And literally I have like science. <laughs> like, We're really good at that. Yeah. Um, but we didn't get the uh, story or the scene about Marla's mom. Yeah, so apparently, um, for whatever reason, Marlo's mom was getting these treatments done and basically packaging up her fat to send to Marla. What was the reason she was sending it to her? Because she can, like, sell it to make money or something. Oh, yeah. So then she was, like, holding them up in her apartment, I guess. Um, And they go and steal her stash of fat as opposed (laughs) to going to the clinic. Um, And it, like, basically, Marla gets, like, super angry. And she's (laughs) like, how dare mom? (laughs) How dare you? Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. Um, I preferred their... I mean, it made more sense to go to a clinic where there's, like, a plethora of fat right. available. But also, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this probably goes into, like, a biohazard, not, like, the dumpster down the street. Right. <laughs> uh, but this is now the scene where we get uh, with the chemical burn that I was talking about earlier. 
So Tyler kisses the back of the narrator's hands, hand and he ends up pouring lye on it. And if you know anything about lye, which I don't, <laughs> um, lye reacts to anything that is wet like saliva on the back of your hand. So he pours lye on the back of his hand and gives him this really, really bad chemical burn in the shape of his kiss on the back of his hand. Come to find out it's his Tyler's way of helping him hit bottom. Like you have to know, like evidently that's probably one of the most painful things is a chemical burn. And he needs to feel that in order to like be fully released, I guess. I love when he's like, this is the best moment of your life and you're off somewhere. I'm like, how is this the best moment of his life? Yeah. No. He's in excruciating pain. No, thank you. I think that'd be one of the worst ways to die is to burn. Oh, a hundred percent. No way. Yeah. Burning and drowning to me are like. I'd rather drown. I'd rather drown than be burned alive. Okay. I don't know. I feel like both could be really bad. (laughs) Neither. Yeah. (laughs) Neither. Uh, But then we see the guys um, selling this really expensive soap um, to these department stores for $20 a bar. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I'll buy that fancy soap, like the bars for like 10 bucks. And then I don't even use it. I literally have a whole bar just on my sink right now. I also like don't use soap bars right. anymore. I just I like, it, it, But after, it's like a fancy gift. Like, it's a nice gift, no, I know, but no but one like, ever uses it. Especially after COVID, like, you don't, like, other people are touching the same bar you're touching, and it's, like, gross. But you're all, everyone's also touching the top of the squirting thing. I guess. I, I go, I do, like, a little, like, tap with my other hand. Literally no one does that. Okay, well, <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, but I did like the, the fact that they were like, yeah, we're selling them back their own fat. Because yeah. these are, it's, they're selling them to the women who would go and get liposuction, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, but, but so now we're back at the narrator's, uh, at his work and the boss finds a copy of the fight club rules that Tyler has asked the narrator to make. And what a rookie mistake. He left the original. Right. If you're going to use company supplies, like make sure you take the, take the freaking thing off the copier. Not that I've ever done that before. Right. but, But anyways, but like. I felt like this got way more escalated in the movie. Like the narrator gets so mad at his boss and he like threatens to shoot up the place. And I'm like, wow, that escalated very quickly. I think he still uh, threatens to shoot in the book too. I just think like, I don't know, for whatever reason, it like heightens it in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. When Uh, I'm reading it, it it feels like, okay, well, like just having a normal conversation at like normal levels. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, But while he's at work, Marla ends up calling him because she wants him to come over and check um, her breast because she feels like she has a lump in in her breast, which he does go and he does go and ends up checking it. But it's kind of like one of those like lost scenes to me in the movie. Well, yeah. Like it happened in the book and then they, there was really no point in the movie to keep it, but... I'm I think it was sure. just a way to show, like, the narrator's interaction with Marla. Because we keep hearing that yeah. her and Tyler are all over each other. Yeah. And- uh, but he ends up running in into Bob on the street uh, while he's headed to Marla's. And he said that Bob is <laughs> Bob runs into the narrator and is like, you know, I haven't been to support group because I found something like way better than support group. And the narrator's like, what? And he's like, well, I can't talk about it. Come to find out that Bob has found Fight Club on his own, not through the narrator. Um, He's like, yeah, Bob, I'm a member. Yeah, I know. Like I created it. Um, But there's rumors um, of like who created Fight Club and that Tyler Durden is the one who created Fight Club. And now we come find out that 
you know, there's a ton of new members and this is kind of, we actually get a scene of them in the basement and uh, Tyler is talking to them and is basically saying like, we're the middle people of history, which I thought was fascinating in 1999 Mm -hmm. because really between like the eighties and nineties, there wasn't like, I mean, you can say the seventies a little bit too. There isn't a whole lot of like, real historical events that have happened in that time in terms of like really huge, like events like a nine 11 that will come later or a war that came before, like there's civil rights. And I think those are big things, but I think what he was trying to say is he's like, we're the middle people of history. You know, our generation is being lost. That's what I took out of it. Interesting. Okay. How did you take it? I mean, I, I, I'm i just going back to your topic of, like, nothing big. I guess big is relative. What in the 80s happened, historical-wise? I don't know. Well, what happened in the 90s, historical-wise? I mean, wise? like, Columbine is a huge thing that happened. Yes, not that many people, like, not as many yeah. people as 9-11 were killed, but, like, those things set precedent for True. shootings that happen today and things like that. Like, I... I, it's hard to say that, like, nothing happened. Well, I'm saying in comparative to a <laughs> sure. civil war, sure. a world war, terrorism. Sure. We got, we had um, local terrorism or yeah. domestic terrorism. <laughs> right. We'll go with that. Um, but that's kind of, like, the thing that he's, you know, expressing to these group of guys. But after he does that, the owner of the bar walks in, which I don't remember happening I don't remember that happening in the, in the book. I can't remember either. But his name's Lou, and Tyler ends up inviting him to fight him. <laughs> so uh, Lou and Tyler fight, and basically Tyler, you know, lets him win mostly, um, and he begs Lou to let them use the basement, and Tyler just kind of acts like a crazy person, and Lou's finally like, all right, just like, like just whatever you want. Like, just, just leave me alone. Just stay away from me. <laughs> he messed up. He messed him up big time. Right. And this is kind of the beginning of where Tyler starts giving everybody homework assignments, and his homework assignment after that was to tell people, or to have them start fights with total strangers and lose. And this part's so funny because you see them like trying to pick fights with people mm-hmm. and it's like Bob like can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bob. Yeah. I love the uh, the guy who's who has the hose. Yeah, and he's like, spraying the priest. <laughs> <laughs> and the poor priest is trying to like not start anything because you know he's a priest. Yeah. Uh, but this is where the narrator's at work, and he ends up talking to his boss, and he's he basically blackmails him, uh, where he doesn't have to work. Yeah, we were actually talking about this right before we started recording. Um, I would love to figure out a situation where I could just get paid, but not yeah. actually do any work. Right. So genius. <laughs> Yeah, because he basically tells his boss, like, look, I'm not going to work anymore, but you're still going to pay me. Otherwise, I'm going to expose all these things. Um, And then he, like, beats himself up to make it look like his boss beat him up. (laughs) It's a wild scene. Yeah. Wild. But I'm like, well, you're kind of a genius at this point. Now we've come to find out, though, that there's a fight club every night of the week. Anywhere you go, there's it it started on one day. Now it's every single day. And we come to find out that not only is Fight Club a thing, but now the guys from Fight Club are starting all this like different mayhem around the around the city. They've like put up random billboards. Um, they're erasing movies from the blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they're just like they're handing out like new safety pamphlets on the airplanes, just like wreaking havoc mm-hmm. on on you know the communities and stuff. Um, but then this is the whole thing about 
Or, so then we get this scene where they're like, all right, we need to do a human sacrifice. Um, come to find out, human sacrifice is different. <laughs> they believe it's something very different than right. what everyone, you know, thinks it's supposed to be. Because they end up taking this guy who works at a convenience store. They pull him out of the convenience store. Um, in the book, they I think they, like, bum rush him as he's, like, leaving work or he's at a bus <laughs> right. stop. But basically telling him, like... Why do you have this dead end job? And he po- points a gun at the back of his head and is like, I, unless you like go back to school and do what you wanted to do, which was become a veterinarian, um, I'm going to come back and I'm going to shoot you. So like you have a week to get your butt back in school and make something better of yourself or I'm going to come and back here and shoot you. That's amazing. Yeah. I was like, hey, maybe that's the motivation we all need. I mean, I don't know if I need a gun pointed no, at me, but, but hey, if it gets the job done, I then, think it did. Yeah, <laughs> poor Raymond Kessel. I know. Um, but we, uh, but we see that the narrator ends up talking to Marla, and he's talking to her about how she latches on to weaker people, which I thought was interesting because I feel like he kind of has been doing the same thing. Right. Um, Marla's, I think, her whole character is just to like reflect. The narrator. <laughs> like all the things he hates about himself. Yeah. 100%. 1, I got that too. Um, but we we then see that Tyler is building bunk beds downstairs in the in the um, torn down house. And guys are starting to show up uh, to train with them. And I, I felt like this was a little rushed in the movie. Like I wasn't fully like... It's explained. It's it's explained quite a bit in the book, but they they want to start this kind of like army, but they want to like get the guy. They want the guys to really want to be a part of it. So they're like, all right, anyone who shows up to train, if they're young, tell them they're too young. If they're old, tell them they're too young. If they're fat, tell them they're too fat. Um, and just see if they just stick around. And so basically, they have to stand outside for three days. And not leave and just be told to go home. They have to show their commitment. Yeah. Um, And then Bob, poor Bob shows up. (laughs) And they're like, Bob, you're too fat. And he's like, okay. And he starts walking. And the narrator turns like, Bob, just stay. Yeah. (laughs) Like, just stay. Poor Bob. Uh, But they end up calling this army of, like, the little minions. They call them space monkeys. That's so funny. (laughs) I have them as minions in my notes. Yeah. Um, But it's this, like, army. And they clean up the house. And um, really, they're there to just kind of, like... I guess be some sort of weird support group, but also wreak havoc and make soap and clean up the house. Like, yeah. I'm not sure. It's very much like a cult following yeah. style. We come to find out that the that the police commissioner of the city has caught on to these fight clubs and is trying to crack down on them. He wants to stop them. But now we see that, you know, all of these space monkeys <laughs> and the narrator have created this thing called Project Mayhem, or I guess Tyler has created mm-hmm. created it. And they say that the first, you know, rule of Project Mayhem is that you don't ask questions. And <laughs> so now we see the space monkeys are all working um, as banquet waiters at this really fancy like police ball or something. And they end up jumping the police commissioner in the bathroom. And they, like, rubber band his balls together and, like, threaten to cut them off Mm. if he doesn't, like, stop trying to shut them down. Yeah. Again, an effective way, I guess. I guess so. They're they're very um, thorough in their work. Right. We'll give them that. And, you know, they tell him, you know, he he does say that he will call off the investigation. And they basically tell him, we're like, look. We are the people who clean your house. We are the people you work with. We are the people that protect you. Like 
everybody is involved in this. Mm -hmm. So like, don't even try. Right. It's just like this big corrupt system. And then this is where we finally get to see Jared Leto. Mm -hmm. He makes his grand entrance and uh, he ends up fighting and he goes like, uh, who fights him? Oh, the narrator Mm -hmm. fights him. And he like goes like way too far. And he like, he's like destroys his face. And he's like, I just wanted to destroy something beautiful. I was like, you did it. You did it. Cause he, I mean, you could have done that to Tyler. Yeah. Like really, beautiful. but he's, cause he's basically upset with Tyler because Tyler didn't tell him about project mayhem. And you know, cause they're in this car and he's mad at him because he's like, I think you went behind my back. You're doing this all without telling me. And it's this really weird scene, which does happen in the book. So Tyler is driving and there's some space monkeys in the back seat and the narrator is in the driver's seat and Tyler passenger seat seat, sorry and Tyler keeps like swerving in and out of traffic and like threatening to like basically go head on and this is where he's like what do you wish you would have done before you died and all the guys in the back seat are like uh get me (laughs) out of here get me out of here um and this is where we find out that Tyler is actually the one who blew up the condo. Mm-hmm. This is where he tells them. And he ends up letting go of the wheel and he crashes the car and it like goes down into this like embankment, which I don't think they actually crashed the car in. They don't crash the car in the book. From what I remember, no. Like the the, the driving scene and like the swerving in and out of the lane and stuff happens, but yeah. I don't know that the crash actually happens. No. But after the car accident, Tyler's gone. So the narrator has been in, in the hospital for a while. He's gotten some really, really good sleep mm-hmm. and Tyler's gone. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he shows up to the house. There's a ton of people in the house. They're all making soap and they're still working on project mayhem. And then Marla shows up and he tells her, you know, Tyler's gone. And she's like, what do you mean Tyler's gone? <laughs> like, and it's starting to like, be like become really weird to everybody because he keeps asking everyone where Tyler is. And they're all like, what are you talking what about? Are you talking about? <laughs> so we, we end up finding out that there was a mission that some guys from project mayhem were on and they were destroying a coffee shop and wrecking this work of art. Come to find out the cops showed up and they shot Bob. Rude. They killed Bob. Bob died. And then they ended up burying him in the garden. (laughs) I don't think that this happens the way... I think that he... Aren't they, like, robbing payphones or something? They're, like... It's not as, like, extravagant of a uh, thing that they do in the book. No. So... But they bring him back to the house. And they have him on, like, the table. And this is where they're... There's, like, his name wasn't, you know... It wasn't Bob. It wasn't Moose. It was... It was Robert Paulson. And then... And they all just start chanting, his name was Robert Paulson. His name was Robert Paulson. It's very weird and cult-like, very yes. much so. So then while he's at the house, the, narr- and the narrator ends up finding like a bunch of plane tickets all under Tyler's name. So he ends up going like retracing Tyler's steps and he goes to all of these cities that Tyler has been to and goes to all the bars looking for Tyler. And again, they're all like, you're looking for Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what are you like? Is this a test? Like, this is weird. When well, they start calling him sir. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's strange. Yeah. And you know, he says at this point, like he feels like he's already been there. Every place he goes, he feels like he's already been there. And then we do get to see um, the bartender in the neck brace because we do <laughs> meet him in the book as well. And he actually tells him that, you know, you were here last Thursday and this is in some other random city. So he's like, yeah, you were here last Thursday. And then 
this guy in, in the neck brace ends up being, he's like, you're Mr. Durden. You're, you came here and you told us your name was Tyler Durden. And then you're like, oh God, what's happening? <laughs> so he calls Marla and he goes, Marla, have we ever had sex? <laughs> Cause that's the gauge on whether or not. Right. And she real. was like, you're such a jerk. And then she ends up calling him by his name, yeah. Tyler Durden. And, you know, he's in the hotel room when he does this and Tyler shows up in the hotel room. And, and he was like, you talked, you talked to Marla about me. You talked. And so he's like pissed because the narrator brought him up to to Marla. The narrator ends up going, why do people think that I'm you? Like, why, why, where am I going? Do they think that I'm Tyler Durden? And then it clicks. He's like, because we're the same person. Mm. Plot and twist. <laughs> um, I was really sad because Boyfriend Ray had figured this out about 45 minutes into this movie. Okay, but like, explain to me how he figured it out. I don't know. I'd said that he Googled it and he claims he didn't. Because but... everyone I know who has seen this movie has said that they did not know this twist. I didn't. No, because it's impossible to know. <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to ask him that yourself. Yeah. Well, I will say now having seen it, Knowing it, there are oh, subtle sure. hits throughout the entire yeah, movie. For so. sure. Um, he's, just, he's probably just smarter than I know. He's very good with movies. Uh, but we end up finding out that Tyler is everything that the narrator, the narrator wanted to be. And I just love how that, you know, like, I feel like in this day and age, every guy is like, if you ask a guy, like, who would play you in a movie? They all say Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. Definitely. And that's basically what the narrator did here. Um, but we come to find out that he was the one that was beating himself up. And we see a montage of him beating himself up um, and him talking to himself. And we come to find out that he becomes Tyler when he falls asleep. When he finally falls asleep, that's when Tyler becomes, when he becomes Tyler and he does whatever Tyler wants to do. Sounds like his insomnia should have just been a... Right. Like, he should have just kept going with that <laughs> yeah so and we kind of find that tyler has made or he 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 finds like the log of like all the calls from the hotel room and he finds out that tyler has made a bunch of calls and that he's setting up bombs all over the city and so he goes the narrator ends up meeting up with marla at a restaurant and they, again, the waiter is like, whatever you want, sir, everything's free of charge. And she's like, starts ordering the menu, which I was like, yeah, me too. I, I love how it goes like clean food only. And he goes, well, I would um, advise against the soup. Yeah, don't <laughs> get the soup. But he tells her that her life is in danger and she needs to get on this bus. She needs to get out of town because something bad is really going to happen. So at this point. The narrator tries to turn himself into the cops, which doesn't happen in the book. There's no scene where he turns himself in. I don't think so. But then I do think there is a scene that similar to this where they're in like they're talking to a group and they're like, whatever, you know, it's already handled. Like it's already like we knew you would say these things. So maybe it is. But the plan looks like it ends up being not to like just blow up any building but they're gonna blow up the credit card companies and erase everyone's debt and i'm like go okay, ahead go for it as long as there's no people in the building <laughs> right. just go for go it go for it um but then the cops you know while he's you know turning himself in 
come to find out the cops are part of Project Mayhem. And they're like, it's fine. Like, we knew you were going to say this. And they actually end up tying him down because they don't want him to stop this plan. And they're like, you told us you would do this. You told us that you would say these things. And they tie him down just like they did the police commissioner. And in the book, it's actually a scene where they're on like a city bus where he's trying to get away. It's very strange. Yeah. And then he like gets out of the bus. It's very weird. It's interesting. I like the way that they did it in the movie because like clearly he's coming to realize like oh no i've put put this crazy plan in motion i need to stop myself right (laughs) right um so but he ends up grabbing one of the police officers guns because he ends up breaking free from them and he leaves and he runs to franklin street to find the bomb and tyler ends up showing up and they're in this like weird loft inside of the building and tyler shows up and he tells him you know no one no one is killing anyone in the process of these bombs. Like, it's fine. Like we made sure everyone was out of the buildings. Like the security guards were even out. Cause they're all part of it. Mm-hmm. It's like this big, huge conspiracy. And, you know, he's trying to defuse the bomb, you know, cause he's in, Oh no, they're not in the loft at this they're, point. I they're think in the, the garage. Yeah. They're in the parking garage yeah. in this like, uh, van mm-hmm. thing. And he's trying to defuse this bomb. And he was like, okay, did I try to trick myself? Like, he's, like, trying to think of yeah, what he like, would tell like, himself to do. He's like, well, if you know, then I know. Yeah. And then Tyler goes, well, what if I knew that you would know? So I basically <laughs> spent all day not knowing, so then you wouldn't know. Yeah, it's so funny. But he does end up defusing the bomb that was going to blow up there. And, you know, the next thing we see, and I love this thing, he takes out the gun, and he's like, what are you going to do, shoot your imaginary friend? <laughs> But they end up fighting each other. But this, that I love this, that the security cameras are picking up him fighting himself. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so like surreal to watch this. And he actually ends up throwing himself down the stairs. And, but then he gets up to this loft and Tyler has the gun in his mouth. And they're basically waiting for you know, these bombs to go off right. everywhere. We're back at the scene that the movie started. Yes, with. exactly. And, but he takes the gun out of his mouth and he ends up, he ends up taking the gun and puts it to his head because at the, it, it becomes this weird thing where Tyler's like, all right, well, if I have the gun in my hand, that means you have the gun mm-hmm. in your hand. And he ends up putting the gun to his head or the narrator puts the gun to his head. And he thinks that that will kill Tyler. And he actually pull ends up pulling the trigger mm-hmm. and he is still alive. The narrator's still yeah. alive, like shoots like the back of his like cheek off. It's right. very weird. It is weird. Um, when he does this and then like they pan to Tyler and you see like the, the smoke, smoke coming out of so his mouth. Cool. It's a really cool scene. And the space monkeys actually end up bringing Marla they they got her. She didn't get away on the mm-hmm. bus like he wanted her to. They end up bringing her in. Um, and then we just see the bombs go off. They're, he's kind of holding hands with Marla, having just shot off half his face. <laughs> very he weird. He seems to be doing okay. <laughs> he seems to be fine. Um, but the bombs go off, and we just kind of see it, you know, happening. It's a super cool scene. Yeah, really cool. But that is not how the book ends. <laughs> No, um, he actually ends up in a mental institution. And the um, bombs don't go the off. The bombs don't go off. He ends up in a mental institution. And basically, uh, like, 
members of Project Mayhem like come and visit him and just let him know like, hey, we're still like doing your acts. Like we're still carrying things out. Like we're just waiting for your return. And like, that's essentially how the book ends. So very different, very different ending. Very, very different. It, It was strange for a movie that stuck so closely to the book. Yeah. What a weird way to end it. Like, it was just straight. I liked yeah. it for the visual aspect of mm-hmm. it. It's very, very cool. Um, and maybe that's why, because they just wanted to end up, like, end on a really awesome note. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know why they yeah. chose to change it up that, that the only other, Yeah, the only other thing that I had that they kind of left out was they that the narrator had this really dis, uh, distinct hole in his cheek. Oh, yeah. Um, that they described a lot in the book, yeah. but they did not have... him with that well and i can't imagine that that would have been like easy to have to have him like go to makeup every day to like create this hole in his face i don't know it's just one of those things they touched on so much in the book well and it's like had a graphic mental image of it like Mm because he's at at some point like sticks his own finger or somebody sticks their finger in it it's really gross yeah it's gross (laughs) i was actually okay that they left that out (laughs) yeah um but yeah so totally two different endings to a story that stuck you know like just like you said pretty close to it throughout um but I mean, that pretty much answers our question. Yeah. Did, did the movie stay true to the book? Other than the ending, you got to say yes. Totally. Yeah. I mean, um, to your point, you said earlier, like there are direct quotes from the book mm-hmm. straight into this movie. I was actually like keeping a running tally like, oh, that's in the book. Yeah. And that's in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely. Um, so book or movie? Oh, I think my answer would have been different had I read the book before watching the movie. Mm-hmm. But I got to go with the movie. You can't not go I with the movie. I can't not go with the movie. The book... The book's good. The book is fine. Um, like you said, it's a little bit hard to kind of like follow along. Mm-hmm. Um, even having watched the movie, I was still like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I feel like the movie just encompasses it so well. And then like you put two like heavy hitter actors uh, in mm-hmm. these roles and you're just like, it's, it's a recipe like you right. know, perfection. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those movies, like, since they they didn't change it all that much except for the ending, really, yeah. which I thought they did a great job with yeah. it. I mean, anytime a movie can bring a good book to life, it's mm-hmm. hard to not go with the movie yeah. because you, you just can't. Yeah. Plus, Brad Pitt's abs. <laughs> <laughs> just had to squeeze that last one last in there. last time huh? in there. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, earlier uh, telling my my brother that I was reading Fight Club, and he's like, what? And I was I like, it's a book. And he's like, I had no idea. Cause I mean, it's a fan favorite among yeah. guys for sure. The movie is. Um, so I'm hoping you'll actually listen to this episode. I, know. I don't think you listen to any I of I feel like ones. this is our, this is our time to like bring the males into our podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for this one. Make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the movie girls. You can also email us at the at gmail.com. And like we said earlier, we are on Patreon. We have a couple levels for you. We have the rom-com level, which gets you episodes 24 hours ahead. You also get access to our Karen reviews. And then we have our drama level, which gets you everything I already mentioned. You also get a sticker for joining. You get a shout out in a future episode, and you also get access to our bonus content. Currently, we are doing our booby serials, um, and we'll be uh, starting Behind Her Eyes soon, which I'm really excited about. Um, a little bit of a different mystery thriller Whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> um, to become a patron, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash the booby girls. So next week, we are taking it back. We're doing the classic To Kill a Mockingbird in all its black and white glory. 
Did you watch this and read this in school? Oh, I did, but like so long ago. Well, yeah. I couldn't even tell you what it's about. Um, I couldn't either, to be honest. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that really stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye. Bye. <laughs>